Can you guys hear me out there? If you can get your worship guys out and uh, follow us on version if you want, on your iPads, iPhones, Droid, uh, whatever you got. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek. I just want to welcome you to Connect and hope that uh, you've enjoyed the service so far. We're going to continue in what we typically do at Connect, and that is a series where we kind of, you know, the Bible is best taught, in our opinion, uh, when it's broken into pieces instead of trying to do it all at once and just kind of overwhelming people. You know the old phrase, how do you need an elephant? Ever hear that phrase before? One bite at a time. Yeah, so, you know, kind of like line upon line, precept upon precept. So we're breaking uh, kind of a relationship theme into uh, segments and into pieces, and we've been talking about relationships. This is the final installment of our series, Real Life. Next week, we start a new series called The Last Days, The Last Days. So first ever uh, time that I've ever talked about eschatological events and things like that in, the, as, in my pastorate. So hopefully there'll be a lot of prayer for that because uh, it's a very intimidating and daunting subject. So we'll start that uh, next week. You don't want to miss that. Um, but today we're going to talk about father life. Everybody say father life. And I just got to have some fun today. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> just, that's kind of my, uh, never mind, I'm not going to do that. I wanted to do some karate there, but um, I, uh, <clears throat> you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, I want to do uh, a little video, and I want you to see what dad's kind of life is all about, and just see some of the toughness of the father's role in this video clip. So will you guys check this out? All the dads get ready for some testosterone boosting. Here you go. <laughs> this is dad life. It's how we live 24 7, 365. Check me. Gas station glasses, don't care what the masses Think about me with my sweet goatee I'm rocking my Dockers with a cuff and a crease I got that St. John's Bay and a clip for my piece I look nice, I got dozens of dollars and that's right It goes straight to my daughters and my wife I'm a miracle dad, making magic with the checkbook Is the talent I have, I roll hard in the yard with a 60 inch cut Zero turn radius, my neighbors say, what? They be driving by, peeping my landscape. Yo, these greens got nothing on my manscape. Hydrangeas, begonias, crepe myrtles, ornamental turtle. Hold up, is that a weed in my fescue? Aw, oh, no. Round up to the rescue. It's the dad life. It's the dad life. Take my daughter to the party. It's the dad life. It's the dad life. It's the dad life. Shooting vids of the kids. It's the dad life. Roll up to the splash pad. 10 a.m. My whole entourage hops out the minivan. We splishy splashy for an hour or two. Then it's back to the house, yeah. prepping for the barbecue. Brats, dogs, racker ribs, whatever. Get me on the Weber, man, nobody does it better. Call me Lord of the Grill, I'm king of the coals. Nana secret recipe, you know how I roll. 1080p, 16 by 9 I'm rocking man cave status with a screen like mine Keep your peanut butter hands off my 50 inch Vizio Pop up the corn, roll the Disney video We got Aladdin, 
Jasmine, Abu, the genie. Hey. With kids like mine, everybody wants to be me. Sing the night song and then it's off to bed. This is the dad life, no more to be said. It's the dad life, hey. it's the dad life. Oh. Get the mall, coaching ball, it's the dad life. It's the dad life, hey. it's the dad life. Oh. Playing rough, fixing stuff, it's the dad life. It's the dad life, it's the dad life. Yeah, you know how we do it, it's the dad life. <laughs> I just, you, you know, we got it tough. You know what I'm saying? The dad life. We got it tough. We got it tough. Was that fun or what? All right. If you guys want, you can look at your worship guides. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6 is kind of our, our text for the day. Um, uh, I'm going to read the first part. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of old men. How many grandparents out there? Grandparents. All right, how many grandparents have had to take care of the grandchildren recently? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of brings you back. All of a sudden, you got to stay up all night again, you know, and the grandpa just pulls the covers over his head and just goes back to sleep, and grandma gets up, right? We went out uh, uh, Friday night. We went out as a family celebrating uh, my, <laughs> my dad was, uh, 70th birthday was February 24th, and we as a family just <laughs> celebrated it. We're the only family that celebrates a person's birthday just shy of Father's Day. Uh, but we went out because turn, he turned 70 this year, and, um, and it just, you know, I was, I was just, um, you know, looking at his, his family and how it's grown and looking at all the grandkids and stuff. And we were, uh, we were having a blast. We went in the town. We rented a, a, a Hummer limousine, and uh, all, all 13 of us went into the city, did the nightlife, went out to eat, went to the North End. It was a blast. And I was thinking, you know, grandchildren are the crown of, of, of my dad. And then uh, it says, as it continues, and I like the second half of this in particular, it says, and the glory of sons is their fathers. Some translations say that some sons are excited about their fathers. Interesting, it says some sons are excited about their fathers. What's so sad is that this is such an important relationship. In the book of Malachi, which is also in your notes, it's actually an end times prophecy, the book of Malachi. There are many prophecies, hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, several hundred that have already been fulfilled, which makes Christianity uh, the most powerful um, message on the planet because it, it actually professed things that were going to happen and then they actually happened. Uh, one of the most, one of the most um, powerful prophecies would be what's known in Christianity as the divine exchange from Ephesians, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 53, where it talked about the crucifixion of Christ and why he was dying. Isaiah it's talked about, and then, of course, it's fulfilled in the Gospels and then spoken of in 1 Peter 2.24. Um, that's just for free, but I just wanted you to know that there are these prophecies that are there that will be fulfilled later. And this is one. Malachi talks about this prophetic thing. It says, I will turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers and the hearts of fathers back to their children. God's desire is to restore uh, a very important relationship. And I want to say that to encourage you. Some of you, uh, that's, it's, it's possible to see those relationships restored even though they feel impossible. I believe there's no greater relationship that you have in the world than with your father. In the glory of sons, it's interesting, it says sons, plural, is fathers, plural, again. Fathers, not just fathers, like apostrophe as a father's, not possessive, but father's plural. 
It's telling us that we have more than one father, in a way. And I agree with that. You actually have three fathers in life, and this is right there in your notes. We have three different types of fathers. The first father, uh, Vanessa was referencing the first father, we were singing about it in a, in a measure, is our Heavenly Father. Everybody say, our Heavenly Father. Uh, the Scripture tells us in Matthew 6, uh, the, we, we've heard this prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We've all heard that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father. And everything was conceived and made possible by the Father. The Bible says there's one God and Father, and from him all things came to be. The Father thought up this whole thing, the universe, the earth, and, and he decided uh, in his sovereignty that he wanted to have a family. He was self-sufficient. He didn't need anything. Uh, but he decided to need us in his sovereignty. He, had, uh, he was content. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were content, but he wanted to have a family, and we're all here because of this. And so it's possible for us, you may not realize this, to, to be born naturally and yet not be born spiritually. Uh, John chapter 3 talks about this in the story of Nicodemus. You may not realize that. Did you know that? You can be born naturally, but not necessarily born spiritually. And because of this, reality, if, it, if you believe the, the scriptures, it, we can miss a relationship with our Heavenly Father, our first Father. Uh, we, we were born naturally, but we need to be born spiritually to have that relationship with the Father. And, and what's interesting is that the only way to have a relationship with the Father is through the Son. It's all relational. And some say we're all children of God. I can remember being in um, many years ago with my father, and we were, uh, we went, my dad took us to Jamaica. He was a very generous father. He took us all to Jamaica um, when I was in high school. And uh, we stayed in this villa. It was really, really cool in Ocho Rios, uh, Jamaica, if anybody had been there before. And while we were there, we had um, different people that worked this particular villa. It was very, very nice. And uh, one of the sons uh, of uh, one of the, uh, I think it was like the, the cook or whatever, uh, my father started talking to, you know, kind of, kind of in a fatherly way. And he started sharing uh, his faith and sharing how he was uh, at one point an atheist and how he kind of believed that religion was just a crutch and how he had denied God most of his life. But then he came to have a relationship uh, with the father through the son. And, and this very, you know, savvy a Jamaican young boy just said, you know, well, wh why do I need to have that relationship? I'm, I'm a child of God. We're all children of God. And the truth is, no, we're not. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you, speaking to the Pharisees, very religious people who did a lot of things that many of us wouldn't do uh, that were on the outside looked very good. He said, you are of your father. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. said, you are of your father, the devil, and of his works you do. Wow. He says, so the fact that I'm human does not necessarily mean I'm in right relationship with God the Father. Are you guys getting this a little bit out there? In fact, because of sin, we're all separated from him, from God the Father. And so Jesus made a way so that you and I could have relationship with him. It's so important that we understand that it's not about a religious activity. It's not external, it's internal. It is not religion, it is relationship. And I know for some of you that's repetitive, but for some of us it's eye-opening and revelational. So important that we make that connection through the Son. So we all have a heavenly Father, uh, three types of fathers. The next type of father is a spiritual father. Everybody say a spiritual father. So this is about father life. Once you come to know the Lord, once you've crossed that line, you've made that faith reception 
of grace, because we're saved, the Bible says, by grace, not by works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, it's not of ourselves, because we'd brag about it. We would say, I did this. Why, do I, why can I have a relationship with God? Because I did this, and because I did more good than bad. No, God says, no, that's not what it's about. It's about grace, unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. Well, there's nothing we could do to deserve it. In fact, because of that, what motivates me to continue to follow God is, is the same thing that motivates my kids to do right. I tell my kids this since they've been knee-high to a grasshopper. My wife does the same thing. Is There's nothing you could do, good or bad, to make me love you more or less. I love you not based on works. I love you because you're my son. I love you because you're my daughters. And God is the same way with us. Are you here? Are you tracking out there? And so once we've made that faith reception, you... You need someone in this journey of faith who is coaching you, who is guiding you, who is fathering you along this path. And, and you may not agree with this, and that's okay, but this doesn't always have to be a man. In other words, a godly mother can play this role. I think it doesn't refer so much to gender as much as it refers to responsibility. I know many men in this world today who credit their spiritual development formations and foundations and character by the, the, the role of a godly mother, a godly mother. So it can be uh, gender, it can be either gender. It's about responsibility. It's about someone who has taken it upon themselves to develop you, in particular spiritually. It's about someone who says, in, in essence, um, uh, intentionally or, or uh, verbally or non-verbally, I've adopted you. I've adopted you. I can think about people that are in this audience right now. I was referencing this just a little while ago. Um, there's a girl that's, that's sitting over here, and I won't necessarily highlight her. She's not in my immediate family. And um, I remember just when she kind of came into the church, she was new to the whole thing, didn't have, uh, she was young, uh, kind of a neophyte in her faith, barely made, connected the dots in some of the things that I was just referencing. And so it's just kind of helping her connect the dots. Her family wasn't a part of the church at the time. And, um, and so I kind of just in, indirectly took her under my wing. I would be very fatherly to that person. And, you know, a, a, little, a little boy interest come along the way. I kind of look at him cross-eyed, give him the eyebrow. You know what I mean? Like, not sure about this dude right here. We'll see about that. You know, uh, survey says uh, no. Um, took kind of a spiritual fatherly role. Is everybody out there know what I'm talking about? So, and... Um, Actually, there's several people on this. I can hear their voices um, but uh, that have been in that classification with me. And so we, we need fathering and we need mothering in the church. And, we, and, and in the early church, they didn't have classes and stuff. Everything was done through relationships. Everything was in a family context. And, and, and people, uh, not only is that how it was done this way, but that's, it was also done that way. People were, were good sons and daughters, or they wanted to be under fatherly influence and mothering influence. Does that make sense to you? Uh, there, was, there was a girl, um, Louise has a major influence on this particular girl as well as, as a spiritual father, but as a mother, and, um, and, and I have as well. And this girl would kind of get on track with God and then get off track with God. And I can remember one time, um, this girl was just off. She, when I say, just a classification, just say she was, she's walked away from the Lord. And, and what's amazing is how God will go out of his way 
when, when you've made that connection with him, he will go out of his way to keep you connected with him. I want you to know the Father's love is so great for you and I. He, will, he won't cause some of these negative things to happen. In fact, that's not what he does. He doesn't, he doesn't um, inflict pain upon us, but he will leverage circumstances because of our own choices and free will agency. We make certain choices to fall away or to drift or to distance ourselves from God. But when we do, he'll use that to kind of get our attention. And then he's, he, what he's doing is he's, he's hoping we'll cry out to him and we're going to go, yeah, I'm right here, just waiting for you to kind of ask me for my help, you know? And usually when we're in that position, he is about a hop, skip, and a jump away from you. And so this girl, she was falling away from the Lord, and when you know it, I'm going through the mall that day. I don't like to shop. I don't shop. I hunt. You know what I mean? Bag it, kill it, get out. That's what I do. For some reason, I'm shopping. I don't know why, because I don't like to shop. My wife must have been someplace in there looking at something. I'll come back to that later. You know what I mean? <laughs> Two hours in another store, look at that. I think I'll come back to the later. I don't get that. Just get it, get out. Uh, so I'm going through the mall. There's this girl, and she's sitting on the, on, the, on the bench in the mall, and she sees me coming. I can't imagine what that must have been like for her. Uh, you'd have to know all the stories and circumstances behind that. But I just go right up to her, you know, and I just kind of come to her. I said, how are you doing? And I won't, say her, I won't say her name. And I kind of put my hand out there and just I said, you know what? God loves you. You know that, right? She's, she just starts crying. She says, I know, I know. I just, uh, it doesn't matter. I said, and I gave her what I call my classic keys under the mat speech. I said, you need to come home. The key's under the mat. Who cares? I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love you. It's okay. You need to come back now. You know? Now, she's, she's back in our church. She'll probably be here in the second service. She texted me uh, just this morning, you know, because she sees me as a spiritual father to her. I can remember her calling me uh, about a year ago. She says, you know, I don't really have a father in my life, and you're kind of like a dad to me. And she's, by the way, she might even be older than me for all I know. She's right around my age. And I, and I said, you know what I said to her? I said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to call her Tina. Tina, I said, if you want me to be a spiritual father, then you need to act like a spiritual daughter. I said, you want a father? You want to be like my daughters to me? Then you need to be, then you want a father like I am to my daughters? Then you need to be like my daughters are, to, uh, you need to be like that with me. Do you understand that? She, and, she, and she told me that just the other day. She goes, I remember when you told me that. And I was I wanted what you could give me, but I didn't want what I needed to do to be under your leadership. It's very important that if you want a spiritual father to keep being a spiritual father, and again, don't think gender, just think responsibility, then you also need to be under authority because authority and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. Amen? So we need fathering. We need mothering in the church, and it's all about relationships. And, and I want to thank the Lord publicly for the spiritual fathers in my life, people like Chris Hodges. I was just texting him uh, last night because I know that the weekend will be crazy for him. And, uh, you know, he pastors a church of about 27,000 people. Oh, my Jesus. And I said, you know, you're my, you're my friend. I said, you're my mentor. You're my pastor. You're my father. All in one. I don't know how you do it, question mark. You know what I mean? And I just began to just tell him how much, how important he was to me. And, and um, it just, he's changed my life. People like Billy Hornsby, who's gone on to be with the Lord, was a major impact on my life. People, uh, a new father figure in my life, spiritual father that God's put in my life, John Burns, who contacts me almost every single week since he's been here, 
uh, a little over, a little less than a year ago, I think now, you know, and, and there are people in this church that have been spiritual fathers to me. I think of, I don't know if Charlie Legassi's here in this service, but he's been kind of a father to me in many ways, a spiritual father. So the last type is my favorite. Uh, the last type of father is the earthly or natural father. But say earthly father. This is, of course, a very important one. Um, I, I know, uh, unlike some, I know I'm blessed to have an earthly father that, that, uh, that loves God, that knows God, that God has given to me. Uh, living under his roof and seeing his lifestyle has dramatically affected my life and purpose. Uh, not to mention the fact that my father's the funniest person I've ever met. Uh, my dad had a heart attack when he was 29 years old. Uh, he, was, he was obese and uh, really struggling physically. Um, and, and, and I saw the before and after of my father. I saw uh, an atheist. He, this is his little mantra. He was a wife-beaten, camel-smoking, bourbon-drinking, two-fisted atheist. Uh, he, you know, he was anger-driven, rageaholic. You know, he'd uh, pick fights with police officers. I mean, he was just cra- crazy. And he, got, he gave his heart to Christ. He, got, he, he became a radical uh, convert, and, um, and, and, and the, kind of the scary kind, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, kind of the big Bibles on the elevators, you know what I'm saying? One of those kind of guys, you know what I mean? He used to say, you know, you get on the elevator with your Bible on the first floor, by the 29th floor, it's just you and your Bible. <laughs> he didn't care. He was crazy that way. He's, he's definitely uh, changed over the years, but in, in, as 29, he made some major changes spiritually. He made some major changes uh, physically as well. And, and sometimes it's because of the things some people change when they receive enough, they're able to learn enough they want to or hurt enough they have to. Most people hurt enough they have to change. But there was so much pain going on in my father's life that he, he came to a place where he needed God. And that's where he found him. I think that's only, the only people that find God are the people that realize they need him. Uh, he, you can't save somebody who doesn't realize they're drowning. Nobody gets saved until they realize they're drowning or they're lost. There's no lifeguard that's pulled into play until somebody says, help. And so he became this, this radical Christian, this radical health nut, and I was his proselyte, basically. I, I came right alongside him, and, and just the other day I was in my car, and I, I, had, a, I had a shake in my little whatever armrest thing right here, and I had vitamins there, and I'm popping some vitamins, and I'm sucking down this shake, and, and I'm thinking to myself, this is all because of my daddy. This is all because of his influence, you know, it, because in the early stages, it would have been like pop them donuts, you know what I'm saying, and ring-dings and yo-hos. That's how it was back then, but I was buying some lunch the other day, and, 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 and somebody came in that I, that I kind of knew a little bit, and, and I went, and I'm not saying this to brag, please don't misinterpret, I'm actually bragging on my dad, and I went up to the register, and I paid for their lunch, you know, and their whole family, and I just kind of walked out, and as I was walking out, I was thinking, you know what, that's because of my daddy. My daddy was is a generous generous man, and so that, that was kind of instilled in me, and, and, and now I hear it and see it coming out of my son as well, and uh, my, he's profoundly affected my life. The role of a father is huge. I could go on and on, Str- strong faith constitutions, um, money mentoring, work ethic, uh, navigation of scripture, just um, problem solving, crisis stuff. Uh, few can boast about their natural father like that, I, I realize that. And we see, and I see, and I sit front and center with a lot of people that don't have that, you know, where um, many are wounded. And if you've never received the affirmation of a father, then there's a hole in our heart. There's a hole in your heart. 
Even the president, President Obama, last Father's Day uh, spoke, and he talked about his father, and he said that there was a hole in his heart. You can do great things, but you can still be hurting. There can still be a hole in your heart. It's an epidemic. When I was at a conference just this last year, uh, pastors from all over the country were there, 3,000 pastors and leaders, and there was kind of agendas, or I'm not sure, let me rephrase that. There were speakers that came in to speak on different things, but they don't know how it's all going to weave together. And the overwhelming messaging from all these speakers was the importance of a father's role in people's lives. Earthly father, spiritual father, and our heavenly father. It's so important that those relationships that are broken be healed, and it's an enemy plot to destroy and minimize people by hurting those relationships at the point of origin and the points of conflict and things like that. And so today I want to give you, uh, help you see fathering right. Because a lot of times we don't have a good relationship with our Heavenly Father. We don't have a good relationship with the spiritual fathers that God has or wants to put in your life if you give them permission. And we don't have a good relationship with our natural father because we don't see it right. And I want you to see it right. And so there's seven keys to good fathering. Are you ready? I'm going to blast these out fast. Are you ready? Okay. So number one, a father should be someone you can imitate. Imitate. By the way, you can, you can imitate somebody whether it's good or bad. It's a scary responsibility if you're a father because someone is following you one way or the other. Because there's a leadership stamp on a father. God put it on you. People just follow you. I could give you a lot of stats on that. I won't, but I see Paul in 1 Corinthians speaking to the Corinthian church, and he gives this brief teaching as a father, a spiritual father. In fact, the first three points of this are, are, are from this text. 1 Corinthians 4, 15 says, For if you were to have countless tutors, countless tutors. You know, that's what we have in the world today. We have countless tutors. We have people that are learning from books and tape, CDs, podcasts. I said tapes. Wow, that's really dating me right there. Holy cow, where did that come from? All right? <laughs> Woo! Books, okay? Whoa! Uh, we're going way back there. Uh, sermons online, etc. We have countless tutors. Listen to me in the context of it, yet in, in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. In the world today, we have people who have lots of tutoring, but we don't have lots of fathering. Many are, many are like this. There's no primary influencer in your life. I can remember talking to somebody. In fact, I was talking to my, my brother-in-law about this just the other night, that there's a lot of people in there. They're pulled away from their purpose and the plan of God in their life because they have countless tutors, but no father, no spiritual father. And so, so there's no primary influencer. We're listening. We're in, many, we're in many ponds, swimming in many ponds, in many pools, <laughs> skinny dipping in many pools. But we're not swimming in, in, in the pool that God's put us in. We're not learning and growing in the vineyard, in the place, in the home where God has placed us. And there should be, a, there should be primary influencers in your life to see God's purposes fulfilled in your life. That is so much stronger than probably you realize. But for in Christ Jesus, Paul said, I became your father through the gospel. And so you might have satellite TV and get tons of Christianity that way. And you might make it to heaven that way. But you won't grow that way. And I urge and exhort you to get a father in your life. So therefore, he says, therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. He is intentional and says, follow me, imitate me. In Christ, he became a father. And, and I urge and again, recommend you to find and imitate a spiritual father. You can be influenced by them. Uh, people are following someone. It's a fact. 
But that tells me in this particular scripture, we must be careful though. We must lead intentionally as fathers because people are following us. But we shouldn't, it shouldn't be just do as I say. It should be do as I do. Paul is not just saying do as I say. He's saying do as I do. Whatever you've, if, whatever you've seen, heard, you know, received from me, put that into practice, he says. Charles Barkley years ago, he used to say, I'm no, I don't want to be an example. I don't want to be a role model. Well, he was. Apostle Paul saying, Hey, you can follow me. You can imitate me. We need to be someone, fathers, worth following. And one of the best ways to know if you're worth following or if somebody is worth following is watch them in crisis. Watch them in crisis. Watch how they handle personal difficulties. Watch how they handle problems. Watch it when their character is attacked. Watch it when their physical body is attacked. Watch it when their marriage is under scrutiny or attack. Watch those things. Because character isn't, isn't, is, is, is not made in crisis. It's exemplified in crisis. It's made before that. It's made before that. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to tell someone how to live, but it's hard to live it day after day. I'm telling New England pastors right now that I, that, that I kind of have an influence on, I, t- I always tell them, don't worry about it, because New England churches are, are, are struggling. I go, don't worry about the numbers. Just, just you know, that's not about that. Uh, John Maxwell says, be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. If you'll just get bigger in here, everything will get bigger out here. I really believe that my influence is proportionate externally to the, to the strength and growth of what's going on to me internally. He'll give me more to, to, to influence, to manage, to, to oversee, because there's more that I'm managing and overseeing inside. The reason your kids aren't disciplined, mom and dad, is because you're not disciplined, mom and dad. Can you handle this in here? Look to your neighbor and say, I love how this hurts. Come on. Turn to your second choice, say, I love how this hurts. <laughs> it's all about your example. In other words, what do you do when the lawnmower won't crank? <sighs> what do you do when somebody crosses you in traffic? What do you do when someone flips you the bird? Do you, you know, what do you do? You know, and fathers, in, in, in spiritual fathers, in, in earthly fathers, you know, we, what do you do? How are you handling your life? I, I, I look at, I think about, you know, my dad. He always paid his bills on time. He always paid his tithes, no matter what. Even when he didn't even know if he was going to have the money, he always did that. You know, you look at people and you see, you know, are they people that raise their voice when they get angry? Are they even-tempered? Are they lazy or hard workers? Are they people of their word? Do they keep their word? How does he treat his wife? Is divorce a part of the vocabulary? I heard a guy say, we, can, we never consider divorce in our house. Murder maybe, but never divorce. <laughs> I didn't mean to go there. Anyway, we work it out. We work it out. That's it. My kids know that. Do you know why I work it out? Because my mom and dad worked it out. And you know what? They had some problems. And there was a lot of, there was, there was bad, really bad start, you know, and, and it, got, it got better and better and better. But there were some rough times. And I can remember seeing my dad on the back of a Ford Galaxy 500 holding the back of a, of a trunk like this. And my mother is revving up the engine. Let me go. I'm out of here. He said, you're going to have to run me over, but this marriage will not end like this. And my sister and I were in the door. My sister can't remember this because she was little, and I'm bawling my eyes out thinking, this, this, is, this is it. This is it. My daddy fought for it right that day. i never forget that. Imitate me. 
Philippians 3 says, join with others in following my example and take note of those who live to that pattern. Philippians 4, 9, whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and peace will be with you. When we were in college, there was this preacher from Dallas. Everyone loved to watch him and imitate him. His name was Larry Lee, Larry Lee, Dr. Larry Lee. He would swing his hair back and forth. I swing my hair back and forth. Just kidding. I couldn't help it. He'd swing his hair back and forth when he'd preach, you know? And, and he'd get up there and the Holy Ghost, and he'd shake, shake his hair. But we all were so enthralled with this guy's preaching, you know? And so when we were in seminary, we would all preach like that. You know, we get up there and shake. And I was bald. I'm shaking my head like this. Nothing's, nothing's going. And it just clearly shows the influence and the impact of a father. Are you tracking with me? Spiritual fathers. Number two, a father has a certain set of standards, values, and principles. Everybody say principles. And he will not compromise them for anything or anyone. 1 Corinthians 4, 17 says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways. Everybody say, my ways. Which are in Christ, just as I teach everyone in the church. My ways, he's saying. Follow my principles that I live by, my son, and I will show you. Nothing will cause him to compromise them, is what he's saying. No amount of money uh, can price it out. The world, the world says everyone has a price. But when, you, when you're a God follower and you're a father under the leadership of God, you have principles that have no price. And we need to know what those things are. I can remember coming out of a store, CVS, right here in town in Ashland years ago. I've told this story before, and I walk out. And I, I went in just to get one thing. Fathers, you know what I'm talking about. You go in to get one thing. You get, there, you get there, and you get eight things. This is why your wife doesn't send you shopping very often unless you have a list. And so I went there to get one thing. I come out, and, I, and I'm pulling all these different things. And when I got to the register, because I couldn't carry everything, I had some stuff in my pockets. So I start pulling stuff out of my pockets. I got to pay for this. I got to pay for that. And I pay for it all. And then I get out, and I walk out, and I realize I got a toothbrush in my back pocket that I didn't pay for. And I pull that out, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go back in there. You know, what's the big deal? And the Holy Spirit says, how much is your integrity worth? Buck sixty-nine. I thought, oh, I'm going. So I went back, and I paid, and I came back in. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I just walked out of the store for, without paying for this. Uh, I just want to, uh, how much is this? And she looked at me like I was Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, oh, book 69. So don't compromise. Don't be moved, enticed by power, pleasure, possessions. Or as my daddy, when he installed me as a senior pastor, said, the things that you have to stay away from are the girls, the gold, and the glory. You have to have these principles that you will not compromise no matter what because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Oh, I can tell you story after story. Number three, you need a father that will correct you. Dun, dun, dun. Nobody likes this one, but if I didn't get correction, I would be a mess today. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it out. I know that's certainly seen as a punitive type of thing. It's just seen as an external type of thing. But I, 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 I don't know what made me do some of the foolish things I did, but I'm glad my daddy drove it out. I can remember many times, you know, something would happen. I did something wrong at school or whatever. I hope my daddy wouldn't find out. Always I didn't worry about my mom. I'm not saying my mom didn't have influence, but I did not want my daddy to find out. There was just something about the next level of authority. You know what I'm saying? And my dad's about 5'9", buck 65, 
I could, I'm much stronger than my dad, but I am scared to death of my father. <laughs> a healthy fear, I should say. You know, and, and I can remember getting off the bus, and I could, or you know, maybe he wasn't home quite yet, and we're playing in the neighborhood, and I'm just thinking, it'll go away, it'll go away, it'll just go away, it'll go away. Bury that thing, bury that thing, bury that thing. And I could hear him calling through the neighborhood, Derek! Come home, you know, home, 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 home. It would just permeate through the neighborhood, you know, and I would ride that bike home so slow, so, so, so slow, and he'd keep calling me with that voice of authority, and, and I was thinking as I pedaled how in moments I was going to experience, you know, and learn the board of education on the seat of higher learning. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and I can remember falling down, <laughs> anyway, on my knees, begging for forgiveness and mercy, and and you'd say, what happened? Did you get a spanking? No, <laughs> that wasn't a spanking. That was a hog killing. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, but I thank the Lord for correction, you know, because of it. Because of it, I now hit pause when stupid things come into my head. We all wrestle with stupid. Turn to your neighbor and say, you wrestle with stupid and you wrestle with stupid. You know? <laughs> correction will keep you from going off the cliff, Okay? 1 Corinthians 4.21, what do you desire, Paul says? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Paul actually mentions kind of a spanking here. He was saying, I'll get corrective if I need to. Do I need to? That's what he's saying. All right? We want our fathers to be our friend. Yes, we want our fathers to say nice things to us and affirm us. But sometimes we need more than a mentor and we need a corrector. We need a corrector. Our question, don't respond out loud. Are you giving permission to fathers in your life to correct you? I can think about many people in this room just saying, if you see something, you tell me, Pastor. You tell me. Do you, do you do that? It might save your life, by the way. It might save your life if you're willing to do that. I know some people here, they've gone a long, long time, and it looks like everything's going fine, and they get to a certain precipice, a certain level in life, and they don't have anybody that can speak in their life, and they fall so hard. They fall so hard, it wouldn't have to be that hard. Number four, uh, sounds like David Letterman. Number four, a father who provides for you, provides for you. Everybody say provides. I thank God for providing father. I have people sometimes say, all he's good for is a paycheck. Well, that's a pretty good start, by the way. I know a lot of people that take their pay. I know a lot of fathers take their paycheck and they go blow it at the bar. That's a pretty good start. And, and that's a bad attitude. That's a bad attitude. I know people take that and do wrong things with it. Fathers work for the needs of others. It's like a part of their DNA. And, and, and when they do do that, it should be honored. In fact, let's honor all the men that are in this service right now who provide. Would you do that for me? Thank you, fathers, for being good providers. Good providers. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when Jesus comes in your life, you begin to think about the needs of others even more. There was the show, it was called Life. It was just, I was watching it last night on uh, YouTube, but there was this particular series, it's going to sound weird, but it was about this bullfrog, this massive African bullfrog. By the way, they could practically kill somebody. But they were, this bullfrog was watching over a million tadpoles, a million tadpoles. He was, he was in charge of this family. That's a big family, okay? Guy was busy. Anyway... And the sun was coming and beating down on this pond, and it was drying up, and all these tadpoles were going to die. And he's looking at it, and he could see, because he was big, big bullfrog, he could see there was another pond, but there was, there was all this, this dirt between them. And so he created like a, a channel with his legs, and he pushed all this dirt away, pushed all this dirt away, pushed all this dirt away, so that all those tadpoles could come into that new pond. He provided for his family. 
And the heavenly, our Heavenly Father's like that. He provides for us. He's not stingy. He's generous. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from him, James 1.17. He's the provider. And if you look at him like a provider, he'll be a better provider to you. But if you have a negative attitude, if you don't see him the right way, I think it short circuits what God wants to do in your life. I know women who see their father this way, and they believe with all their heart, my mom, my wife's this way, you know that God provides parking spots for, for, for them. He, look at that. They're all like, he does, he does. Oh, yes, it's so true. Oh, that's true. He does do that. I just got one the other day, front row. It's incredible. Everybody, that's their attitude. They keep, he keeps doing that. Some men think that God promotes them in their positions and in their jobs, and he keeps helping them, elevating and put favor on their life. And some people believe that their father gives them health, and some people, good sleep. It would be amazing if you looked at your father right, what he might do for you. Number five, a good father is one who plans for his children. Since our children were born, we began, thinking, we began thinking about their future. We'd pray God reveal it to them. We'd be able to cultivate it. It's constant conversation in the Fry household. Good fathering invests in their kids with the thoughts of the future. Listen, my father, I think about my natural father. I wanted to quit. I remember I was in, out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was in school. Uh, first of all, I was the first uh, member of my family to ever graduate from college. But all of hell wanted to stop me from graduating from college. Uh, I was there for a long time, by the way. <laughs> I was a professional student. But I can remember being in like year three. I wanted to quit. Uh, I wanted to just drop out of everything. And uh, my dad flew out to have a face-to-face -face with me to Tulsa. And so uh, that's the kind of investment he would make. And he got off the plane, and he met me for lunch. Of course, he paid. And uh, and I can remember after eating at Charlie's restaurant, went out in the back parking lot, and, and I just said, Dad, I just, I just got to be honest with you, I'm out. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, just, I, don't, I don't have any motivation for it, and I, it's, it's, it's just not there. I don't think I'm supposed to go into the ministry. I don't think I'm supposed to do that. And he just kind of came back to me, son, I believe in you. This is what you're called to do. And he, he had some strong words mixed in there, all right? Trust me. You got to know my dad. It, it had a little salsa in there. And, but amidst all that, he's saying, I'm going to keep investing you. I've invested you up to this point, and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on investing in you because this is going to produce fruit in you. You have a plan. God has a plan for your life, and there's a future. I'm so thankful that he did that. I wouldn't be standing here today. 2 Corinthians 12 says, children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. We're to think ahead. Think ahead. Number six, a good father shows how proud they are of you. How proud they are of you. I know you all need someone who's proud of you. So I don't need that. I'm a self-made man. Really? Really? Is that why this morning I got probably 14 texts from different people all over the country just thanking me for affirming them and pouring into them? These are men. These are men. Because they didn't get a lot of that. They didn't get a lot of that. I think about how little I've done for them to appreciate that. It, it makes them feel significant when somebody says they're proud of you. People are looking for that. Pastors are looking for that. Leaders are looking for that. Sons are looking for that. And God modeled that. In Matthew 3, 17, it says, A voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I am proud of you. At a boy. If a man doesn't get praised, by the way, he'll praise himself. And if you see a man who's arrogant and praising himself a lot, maybe it's because you're not praising him and honoring him. I want to say how proud I am of my kids.
<laughs> Number seven, a father prepares you for eternity. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says, <clears throat> He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him, relationship with him, the Father, we live and move and have our being. The fact that you're here, that you live during this time, in this place, in this region, this part of history, he did all that so that perhaps you'd reach out for them. He ultimately wants to be with us forever. His plan is not just for us in the here and now. It's for, it's forever. It's forever. Would you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you. Ugh. Thank you, Jesus. You just bow your heads, close your eyes, not because it's any more spiritual, but just helps you focus. <clears throat> There's a scripture in Mark chapter 6 where it talks about Jesus couldn't do, could not do a certain number of miracles because of where he was among, in his own town, amongst his own relatives. There was a familiarity that came because people dishonored him. He could not, the Son of God could not do mighty miracles because of dishonor. The fathers that you have in your life, your spiritual father, your earthly father, your heavenly father, for him to do a mighty miracle in your life, maybe, maybe honors the key. Maybe you want your earthly father to be more of an impact in your life, if that's still possible today. Honor might be the key to that. Maybe your spiritual father in your life, you'd like him to play more of a role in your life or have one. Maybe honor is the key to that. But in particular with your heavenly father, for him to do a mighty work in your life, would you honor him? Would you submit your life to him? Would you open up to him? Would you receive from him? If you're here today and you want to make that connection, that strong connection with your heavenly father, the answer is through the Son, Jesus. That's the path, and that's the way. And if you've never made that connection to your Heavenly Father, and you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life, you can do that right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just giving people that moment. If that's you, between me, you, and God, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to be sure about that. I want to have that relationship with my Heavenly Father. I want that to be right so all the other relationships go right. It's okay. Is there anybody there that says that's me? God bless you. God bless you here at the front. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Am I missing anybody else? Good and high so I can see you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Church, pray this prayer with me. And those that raise their hand, pray this prayer as well. I promise to lead you wisely. Say, Daddy, Abba Father, I want you to adopt me right now as your son, as your daughter, afresh today. I want to be a child of God who knows you personally. And I know it's through your son, Jesus, that you made that way 
for me. I accept what he did by faith. I'm not saved by works. I'm saved for works. Save me right now in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would restore broken relationships between sons and daughters with their earthly father. Heal the wound, God. Do a work there. Restore broken relationships or relationships that do not exist yet with the spiritual father. And most importantly, God, would you connect people to you, Father God, by helping them fall madly in love with Jesus and accept what he did for them and move in that direction by connecting to God, godly people, in a godly place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you.